0: Gospel from Luke 4, 14 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee and a report about him, spread through all the surrounding country. He began to preach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote me to this proverb, doctor cure yourself. In all you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Let Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all the synagogue were filled with rage, they got up, Drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Thanks, Alan. You may be seated. Let's pray. we trust in your spirit that is moving among us and each one of us has a word that we need to hear today and so we trust in that as your word is proclaimed that that will come so open our hearts and our lives and our bodies and our spirits to the power of your word amen first impressions one thing that i have learned about reading the gospels is that it's a good idea to take note of the first thing that Jesus does in his ministry. It seems that the first story included tells us and gives nod to what the rest of the gospel will be about. And it's fascinating that all four gospels begin Jesus' public ministry in a unique way. And since we will be dwelling in Luke for the next while, we need to listen carefully to the story, to this first event, because it will help us get a sense for what Luke wants us to know about Jesus and how God is speaking to us, this church, at this time. So, just as Alan read, Luke writes these little first sentences, that tells us that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He began his ministry in Galilee and was teaching in the synagogue where he was praised. And then in an instant, Luke tells us he's back in Nazareth, his hometown. And again, he's in the synagogue. He takes those scrolls on papyrus in which the Bible was written And he reads this passage from Isaiah 61. Jesus spoke, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year Of the Lord's favor and then Jesus sits down and then he says the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing no longer are they hope for words on a scroll they are now made known fulfilled in flesh and blood through Jesus the synagogue goes silent It was the shortest sermon ever. The hometown crowd sits there and their jaws are dropped. Jesus is claiming to be the anointed one who will do these amazing things to fulfill what God has promised. Luke tells us that those people who have known Jesus since he was a kid were amazed. These are Luke's words. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. It's a tender moment. The the people are just thinking, this is the son of our community. He's going to do all this stuff for us. And then the other shoe drops. Jesus does not coddle those people whom he has known all his life affirming them and all he will do for them. Instead, he reversed to well-known Bible Bible stories of the Old Testament, how God brought that good news, that freedom, that healing, to non-Jewish people, foreigners, people who had not known God or diligently practiced their faith. Jesus' own community, who was just loving every word he says, are now furious. They want him to do the miracles in his hometown to them, just like he did in Galilee. They want all the signs, but instead, Jesus gives way to how God will stretch even further to places and people. And those hometown, pious, synagogue-going folks would never even consider themselves. So the hometown parade quickly turns from a homecoming to a running out of town. So mad were those people who had known Jesus so well that they wanted to throw him off the cliff. What is it that Luke wants us to know about God made flesh? This is also the Sunday that we designate to pause and tell our story as a church. We, had, we just had our annual meeting between services, which is a requirement of our governance process. We have formal time to invite our members to look back at the year to review and approve budgets and new leaders and to tell our story. And it's also the week where I like to share my perspective on this last year and cast the vision for what's ahead for us as a church but it just so happens that Luke has stolen the spotlight from me. This story is actually given to us on this very day to speak about our vision and work. If this story were a picture, it would be this infinity symbol, the image of ongoing movement from end to end, and this is a helpful symbol for us as well in the life of a church. We can think of two polarities here. Belonging on one side and joining on the other. Both are important and both are essential in being a church. Belonging, let's stop there. The tending to our relationships. Knowing each other being there for each other in times of crisis, disruption, and joy, that feeling that we have when our kid was at the baptismal font and then graduates from high school, on teaching kids, watching them grow up, learning together, praying for each other, why we invest in small groups, why we want to connect and nurture and care for each other, And so when we look at belonging, we're always asking, how do we be a community where everybody has their place? And they're known and celebrated for what they bring. I know you're here because this is a safe spot for you. This is your community that is belonging. Joining. What is outside of us in this building? Who are those people in our community who we do not know? How do we get involved in the schools, other nonprofit organizations? How do we connect with people who really are asking questions of faith but they've never been to church or they've been hurt by church? Those people who are different than us. The question then becomes. Are we focused outwardly on what's happening in our community? Is our church even accessible to those who have never been here? We must always be tending to both sides because both are essential for our growth, our vibrancy, and our hope. We have invested in belonging this year. Pastor Joel has taken over leading faith formation and has a dynamic team. Erica Nolte with the young kids and family. Beth McGrew King, who is actually our community builder spanning our entire community to help people connect. Rich Holoquay who just joined us, who is igniting a new sense of purpose in our, in our high school, middle school, and their families. These small group leaders, the adults who meet with kids every week, will blow your mind. The regular programming that happens on Sundays and Wednesdays to continue to support family and build relationships. Joy Miller's work and um, Jennifer's work, Jennifer Carr and our marketing communication is all about how do we inform people, connect people and bring them together. We invested in emotional intelligence training this year for seventh and eighth graders and since spent six weeks working with the kids and then a tangent group for parents so we could have common language. How in the world do you navigate middle school where kids are figuring out their identity and trying to be aware of themselves and aware of others? Where is God in that? How do you parent in that? We also invested time last spring to simply listen to each other. Listening to all of it. We invited leaders and 55 of you said yes. And they initiated conversations so we could get to know each other. To simply listen. Over 160 of those conversations happens. This is true. People who had been going to church with each other for 20, 30 years didn't know each other's stories. We had a chance to get to know each other, to listen, to simply listen. In fact, those tables that are out in the Welcome Center are because of those listening sessions, people said, what if I wanna connect with people, but I go in the fireside room and I don't always feel included. Maybe I don't even know the fireside room exists. So now people will sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk to each other. Something so practical came out of those learning sessions we also invested in joining. We have a clear sense of our work in our community. The Benevolence Board is increasing its impact. We have four categories in which we show up, feeding people, housing people, walking with people in transitions, and joining with other faith communities. We're asking questions and opening opportunities to connect with our partners and share stories about their hopes and vision. And we gathered a building and vision team. It was last fall already. And we asked you last January, we asked you this question simply, how was Mount Olivet called to serve our community? And you took a colored sticky note and you wrote your thoughts and you put them up on that wall. And we had a thousand sticky notes of ideas and we read every single one of them. We opened our building to over 40 groups during the week. We're thinking about joining, we have a task force right now to say, how do we not only give hospitality, how do we receive it from people who are in the community? And so we begin this new year knowing it's both belonging and joining. And hence, our Be Open vision has emerged. It debuted last week with a video, it's online. Please take a look at it. We just approved the moving forward in our annual meeting. It's our bold step to invest in Mount Olivet, the building and grounds, and our people to do both joining and belonging. We want to extend our community by updating our kitchen that was built in 1968 so we can partner with Loaves and Fishes, one of our existing partners, to host a community meal here. You. It's investment in the broader community to people we don't know yet, but it's also to invest for ourselves. How can we use this renovated space to more fully connect with each other? None of this happens without you, none of this will happen without you. As a nonprofit organization, Everything we receive financially comes through you and your generous gifts. Each one of us is needed to fund the vision and the mission, not by program fees, but by those thoughtful conversations that you have as you plan for the year ahead and how much you will share with Mount Olivet. And it takes each one of us. And here's the amazing thing. What you give adds to the person next to you and the person next to you. And collectively, it's miraculous. Abundance is found. And none of this has happened or will happen without God's love through Jesus Christ. At the heart of the affinity loop is the cross, God's love through Jesus, both coming close to us in word and sacrament. And the building of the community, it's an unconditional promise that is always for you. Yet it's also a call, a call to leave this place, to go into the world where you work and where you live with your family and others, to share the love, to proclaim the good news. It is both and always a promise and a call. But this is hard work we are broken and beautiful people at the same time. Luke shares this story first because it tells of the tension. People do not want God to extend beyond the expectations they have of God. They want God for them. And then now we have to listen closely to these stories that will come as Jesus goes out in his ministry. What happens when Jesus goes that far to someone who's not included, to someone we don't think is worthy, to someone who has less or more than us? People aren't happy. Jesus will eventually be crucified for extending that love so unconditionally. But it will be in these stories to follow in this gospel that we find our story. There will be a week where the Spirit will come and it will meet you in your heart just where you are with both a promise and a call. And it will be that cross. That will be the place where love is redefined. Death does not get the last word new life starts again coming close and drawing us out jesus words this day today the scriptures have been fulfilled in your hearing jesus says this in his per, per, first public event recorded in luke the word today this very day will be used again in luke In the story of Zacchaeus, he's up in the tree, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, get down. On this very day, I am coming to your house. And Jesus makes good on that promise, comes to that tax collector's house, and says to him and his whole family gathered around, today salvation has come to this house. On the cross, one of the criminals asked Jesus, In the moments before his own death, he says, Jesus, remember me. Jesus responds, today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And after the resurrection, as those two disciples were walking from Jerusalem to the road of Emmaus, and they were talking and speaking about what had just happened, and they said, yes, besides all this, It is now, today, the third day since these things took place. This very day is the day when the fulfillment has come. It's already here, and yet it's being proclaimed fresh each day. The movement of belonging and joining, of promise and call is everlasting and it comes to us at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church of Plymouth. We speak vision because the world has already changed. The kingdom is here. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to respond? And it's our work and it's struggle and it's joy and they're mixed together. And we are called in Jesus Christ to lead on, may this be so.